Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I said, when you bring something to me and offer it, you're supposed to bring your best. I'm the Lord. And it's no different today. When you offer something to the Lord, it should always be your best. If you're offering to the Lord your gifts and service, it should be your best. Always your best. If we're offering to the Lord in, in, our, in our, our giving, we should give our best. Um, whatever we're offering to the Lord, it should always be our very best. God, this is, this is when you're offering your time, God, I'm going to spend some time with you. Don't give God your leftover at the end of the day when you ain't good for conversation time. He wants your best time. That's why you should get up early in the morning. If the person you most admire came to your house for his visit, you wouldn't serve them moldy cheese and stale crackers. No way. You'd put all the stops and give them the best snacks that you have in the house. Well, today, you learn that God shouldn't get your sloppy seconds either. Pastor Bill explains that you should give God your very best in all things. From the time you spend with Him, to how you love Him and others, to how you worship Him, show God honor by offering Him your best. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 22 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The Word of God washes us and cleanses us and renews us. And so I think every morning, everybody ought to have a time to just let your mind be renewed. Take some time to wash your mind and be in the Word. And you want to do it in the morning and in the evening. You know, we're to meditate in the Word of God day and night. And so um, not just in the morning. Some people have a time, a day that they get with the Lord and they just, if they make that one time, they check the box. I did it, I did my, I checked my time, I, I got it in. I'm saying you should do it as often as you can. It may be sometime in the morning, you may get you some more at lunch break, you may get you some more in the evening. As often as we can, we wanna just be taken in the word, let the Lord wash us. Um, it may be that you just, you may go back to something you already read and meditate on it, but give time to it. But we wanna be in the word on a daily, on a daily basis throughout the day because that's how we wash ourselves. We live in a filthy place, you guys. Um, again, there are things all around, and, and God would speak to you. God would minister to you. Many times, it'll be in your time set aside to be with the Lord in the morning, and God is preparing you for things that are going to come up. You're going to be prepared to minister to someone else because you were in the Word that morning. You let the Lord speak to you. You'll be better prepared to handle the things that are coming up during the day because you don't know they're coming up yet. But your time in the Word, God will be preparing you for things you don't even know are coming. And you just be, you look back and say, man, I, re I just read that yesterday. I, I just read that this morning. I, I was looking over that the other day and, and, and something will happen where it just comes back up. And so we want to just stay active, stay in a place where God's word is, is coming in, is washing us, is ministering to us because we need it. Um, as, we need it as much as we can, as often as we can. We need to be doing that. So um, moving on now, verse um, seven. And when the sun goes down, he shall be clean. And afterward, he um, afterward, he may eat the holy offering because it is his food. Whatever dies naturally or is torn by beast, he shall not eat to defile himself with it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my ordinances, lest they bear sin for it and die thereby. If they profane it, I, the Lord, sanctify them. And so a couple more rules. They weren't supposed to eat something that was roadkill. And if it had been torn apart by an animal, and some of this was God just looking out for them health-wise. If it died, and you don't know why it died, it might be poison. It might be something bad happened to it. If it was torn apart by an animal, how long ago was it torn apart? Um, you know, would the animals have any disease or anything else? God said, don't, don't eat roadkill. That, that's, not, 
that's not going to be good for you guys. And I just see practical wisdom here. God looking out for his kids and giving them instruction to keep them from keep them from harm. Um, next verses 10 through 16, we're going to look at who could eat the offering. Uh, it wasn't available to everybody. Uh, we know the priest and his family. Um, some people could partake and some people couldn't. So look at verse 10. It said, no outsider shall eat the holy offering. One who dwells with the priests or a hired servant shall not eat the holy thing. So everybody couldn't just eat it. An outsider, I mean, outside of your family, outside of the covenant, they can't eat it. If the priest has hired servants, people that he pays to come work, they can't eat it. Verse 11. But if the priest, if the priest buys a person with his money, he may eat it. And the one who is born in his house may eat his food. So this is a, if he has a slave, if he bought someone um, again, every time we come up with biblical slavery, I want to just explain in this instance here, if he bought someone, um, their slaves became like their family. So God said in that case, if they were part of the family, they lived there, you purchase them, they're there in servitude, they can eat. Um, your hired servants, those that you're paying to come work and go, they can't. But if you purchase the person, if a person was there as a slave, they could eat of it. Verse 12, if the priest's daughter is married to an outsider, she may not eat the holy offerings. So if the priest's daughter went out and married a non-believer, um, she couldn't come back and eat this food. <laughs> I guess if she married a believer, they could come over for dinner. But if she married a non-believer, that's, that's how I'm taking it. So if any of my daughters married non-believers, y'all can't come eat here. Um, you got to go to you got to go to McD's, you know. But um, if she married an outsider, um, they weren't they weren't able to uh, partake. But if the priest's daughter is a widow, her husband died or divorced um, and has no child and has returned to her father's house as in her youth, she may eat her father's food, but no outsider shall eat it. Um, last two verses, 14 through 16. And if a man eats the holy offering unintentionally, then he shall restore a holy offering to the priest and add one fifth to it. They shall not profane the holy offering of the children of Israel, which they offer to the Lord or allow them to bear the guilt or tre of trespass when they eat the holy offerings for I, the Lord, sanctify them. So this food wasn't common food. It was in the temple. It was holy food. It was set apart. It was for the priest and his family. And so just like today, if you don't make it clear to people who can eat it and who can't, everybody would be. I mean, if you if you can imagine at the temple. Um, there was like nonstop barbecue happening. So if you were hungry and you just see like, man, they sacrifice all the time. And think about all the sin and all the sinners and all the sacrifices that were happening there at the. So if you were friends with the priest or you had relation with them, um, I could see people trying to work the system. Y'all know how people do. Hey, I was going to come by and worship with you guys today, man. You know, and just come and see if you can get some lamb um, or whatever. So God made restrictions say, you know, what? it's not for everybody. Outsiders, no. It's for the priest and his family. This is the minister to their need. Um, the daughter, before she's married, she's covered. She marries an outsider. She can't have any. Um, if husband dies and she comes back home, like when she was a kid, then she can have it again. Um, but God says who can have it and who can't. I thought about this with regard to, because this is just what they were eating for their nourishment, right? Outsiders can't have any. And I thought about this because anybody that's tried to explain spiritual things to a non-believer, I know you got frustrated. 
Um, it's a frustrating thing. You're talking to someone that's not saved, not born again, no illumination of the Holy Spirit. You really don't want to waste your time sharing anything but the gospel with them. But it, it won't stop them from asking you deep questions, but they can't get it. They can't get it. They can't comprehend it. So you'll be blue in your face. Like, does it make sense? Sense? Because to you, you're illuminated. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And so for you, it's like, look, it's right there. See? See? And they're like, no, I don't see that. I don't see what you see. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says, but the natural man does not receive. He does not receive the things of the spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness to him. Then it says, nor can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. Two things that are key. It says he does not receive them. And then it says nor can he know them. He can't. So you wrong for even trying to give it to him. You know, um, it would save you and me a lot of headache. When I deal with non-believers, that's why I like to clarify when I'm talking to somebody. There are sometimes you talk to non-believers and they say they saved. Oh, I know the Lord. Okay. Everything I'm looking at says you don't know the Lord. Your life says you don't know the Lord. The fact that there's nothing in your life that says that Jesus is Lord says you don't know the Lord. There's nothing in your life that says Jesus is Lord here. So I'm treating you like a non-believer. Gospel for you. We're going to talk about the gospel. That's all I want to talk to you about as a guy. I want to talk to you about creation. I don't want to talk about orangutans and UFOs and all these crazy questions that people be coming up with. You know, none of that with you. I don't want to talk about own verses with you. What about homosexuals? And what about this? And what about that? You wouldn't understand it if I told you. The gospel, though. The gospel. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. It's a powerful message. It's the message to share with the non-believer. And so save yourself some headache when you're dealing with people that don't know God. Don't be going all in the deep things because even you can explain some things. I, I have discussion with Christians that are trying to figure out stuff and, and it, you're trying to work out things with people. But to somebody that's not saved, forget it. You could be you'd be pulling out your hair and um, rather you have it or not, you'd be pulling it out. You'd be frustrated. So in the same way, let's look at the priest. The outsider can't have it. Um, it's the same is true. The non-believer, they can't get it. They don't understand it. It's not for them. It's for you. The gospel is for the non-believer. The teaching of the word, doctrine, that's for you and for me. That's why when Jesus was walking the earth, many times he would share and the disciples would get it. He's sharing with them, but the, the group around them, they, they didn't understand what he was talking about. They, they were just, they were lost, didn't understand. So that will help us out in our ministry and our sharing with the lost. First, classifying people properly. Don't let them classify themselves. Let what they believe classify them. Um, and sometimes not what they say they believe, but just let me let your lifestyle classify you. Non-believer, right? It's okay. We're supposed to make those kind of judgments so that we then know how to minister to them. Because it's another frustration. When you're trying to minister to someone that's not saved like they are saved, that's frustrating. Because you're like, how come they don't get it? How come? Because they're not saved. You just, you skip the step, you know? So we want to be honest uh, or have an honest assessment of people that our ministry with them could be fruitful. Um, verse 14 it says, and if a man eats the holy offering unintentionally, then he shall restore, uh, he shall restore a holy offering to the priest and add one fifth to it. So if a priest is unclean and maybe he didn't know he was unclean, I don't know how you accidentally eat it, you know, uh, <laughs> but if he accidentally unintentionally ate it while unclean, the penalty was that he was to restitution. He would return it plus 20%. Um, return what he ate plus 20% more 
there was to be restitution that was acceptable to the Lord. Everything would be made right at that point. Verses 17 through 30, we're going to look at uh, what are unacceptable sacrifices to the Lord. These are sacrifices that God's out. I don't accept these. I don't want this kind of sacrifice. So starting at verse 17, it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and to the children of Israel and say to them, whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel who offers his sacrifices for any of his vows or for any of his freewill offerings, which they offer to the Lord as burnt offerings, you shall offer of your own free will a male without blemish from the cattle, from the sheep, and from the goats. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it is not; it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. And whatever whoever offers a sacrifice or, uh, of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow of a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. So. What God is saying here is, look, when you bring me an offering, I want I want the best. Don't bring me your jacked up sheep. Don't bring me your one eyed raggedy goat. Don't bring me your lamb with with, you know, just the, the one that nobody wanted to eat anyway. Look like it's half disease. Don't bring me that mess. God said, bring me your best. Don't bring a defiled one. Don't bring a broken one. Don't bring one limping. Don't bring one whose arm is longer than the other one and it can't get along. God said, when you bring something to me and offer it, you're supposed to bring your best. I'm the Lord. And it's no different today. When you offer something to the Lord, it should always be your best. If you're offering to the Lord your gifts and service, it should be your best. Always your best. If we're offering to the Lord in, in, our, in our, our giving, we should give our best. Um, whatever we're offering to the Lord, it should always be our very best. God, this is, this is when you're offering your time, God, I'm going to spend some time with you. Don't give God your leftover at the end of the day when you ain't good for conversation time. He wants your best time. That's why you should get up early in the morning. After your coffee, when your mind is alert and you sharp, give God some of your best. Give him the best time of the day for devotions. Give him the best of your time to, to study the word. Um, you want to give God your best. Whatever it is that you're giving, you want to give him your best. Here, God requires it. He says, hey, when you guys bring an offering, I'm not accepting that mess. Don't bring me that. The priest is going to, I'm training my priest to say, I'm not accepting that. Some people think God will just accept anything. I'll just give God this way. He'll just take it. You know, here it is. And God says, no, I want the best. Working at a church uh, for many years, they would at times put out to the body, hey, we're, we're doing a collection to be a blessing to some people. We're going to collect clothes to take to the orphanage or we're going to collect this to minister to some kids. And there would be some people that would they would give their best. We got clothes for the babies and at the orphanage and they bring brand new clothes and, and little footies and everything else. And they just, you know, they, they're coming and saying, this is here. This is offering to the Lord. But you know what some people would do? They take the worst stuff they got. They'll take stuff they free goodwill wouldn't want it. Uh, and they just bag it up and get, bag up all that empty stuff. We need to clean out that cabinet anyway. Bag up all that junk in here. They, ain't even, they even wash it first. It got crust on it. Um, we don't even know if it's safe. Bed bugs might be in it, you know. Um, and they would just bring that and offer it. And you just think, man, why would you give that to the Lord? <laughs> you don't even want that. Why are you going to give it to the Lord? And you would just see as you would open it up to the whole church. Some people, oh, they just brought their best. I remember one time we did a drive. And they were getting blankets for several different missionary areas where it was cold and people needed blankets. And so they say, hey, we want to do a blanket drive and everybody can bring blankets. We're going to package them up and take them to bless the people out there where it's really cold at. 
And again, once again, some people bought brand new blankets or nice blankets and folded them up and they were like, oh, it's going to be a blessing. But some people, some people, blankets with cigarette holes in them. And it was like, I mean, the trash cans were full of the stuff that they had to throw out. They stopped doing those kind of drives because so many people would look at it as an opportunity to offload some junk at the church. Um, they would do, you know, hey, we're going to be doing a yard sale for this mission trip. So if you have things that could be sold at a yard sale, you can drop it off at this place. They stopped doing that mess because people would just be like, drop it off where? And they'll haul up everything broken in the garage, back up and just dump it and go on. And that's how people do. We want to make sure you guys that when we give to the Lord, it's our best. And that, that, it comes from the heart. You know, your heart saying, God, I want to bless these people. If I'm giving to the kids, I want to be good. If I'm giving up my service, I want to give my best. If I'm giving my time to the Lord, God, I want to give you some of the best time of my day. I want you to have me when I'm alert. I want to have you have me when my mind is clicking. Everybody here knows when you work best. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good in the morning and I'm good in the evening for meditative time. I'm not good when I'm doing one thing already. My wife will tell you, I cannot do two things at once. And so um, I got to set aside time to do specific things or I won't get them done. Um, so. But give God your best, uh, whatever you're offering to him. Um, again, if it's your time or your service, your your whatever, don't give God your leftover, lame, damaged, broken, blind, anything. Give him the best that you have, because here God says, I won't accept it. Now, what the Pharisees did with this um, in the Gospels, they took this command and they used it to. Make merchandise of God's people once again. If you write notes, you can write down Matthew 21, um, 12 and 13. And what they were doing uh, in the Gospels was people would come to bring their sacrifice and they bring a good sacrifice. And the priest there, um, and again, this was they were doing this for money. Um, the priests there were they were they were denying every sacrifice you brought. So you may have come from a long journey. There's no way to go back and get a better one. You brought the best lamb you had. It, it, it was fine. And they look at it and says, no, that, that one's not going to do. You're going to have to buy one of our pre-approved lambs over here. But it cost 10 times the amount that they cost at home. And so they were making money on the people exchanging money because you had to exchange your money to buy one. And they were making money off of you there. And then when you bought their sheep at an exorbitant amount, they made money on you twice. And so in Matthew 21, 12 and 13, it says, then Jesus, when he went to the temple of God, he drove out all those who sold, who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold the doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And it said, then the blind and the lame came to him from the temple and he healed them. But I want you to just notice Jesus didn't like that. He went in there and said, man, nah, you guys have you guys have taken what I intended. I wanted people to come and bring their best. And you've taken that and done something weird with it. You've done you, you've taken people's desire to give their best. You've now taken that and you're you're causing it to be something for your profit, for your benefit. Do we not see that in the church today? Right. God's told people to give. Right. Give. And, you know, and all these things. And so now you have churches, a whole movement of churches, whole prosperity movement where people will play on that. To get people to give them more. Um, it's not really for the Lord. It's not really in worship anymore. But they're playing on the fact that just like these guys are playing on the fact that people were coming a long way to offer their sacrifice to the Lord. They're, they're coming to give sacrifices, sacrifices to God. It's a good thing. But they're perverting it to get more out of them for themselves. And I read the Bible and Jesus hates that. It's the one time and we know Jesus never fleshed out, but he looked at least like righteously angry. 
He's flipping tables over. He, the one godly, he, he, he braided up a whip, a cord of, he made a whip. I mean, Jesus, you know, for you, some of you parents that, you know, I, I know my, my next door neighbor, um, his name was Kanique. His granddad would whip him. We'd be out there messing up. His granddad would whip him in front of everybody. And he had these ivy leaves on the, just a whole wall of ivy. And he would, he would get a nail clipper and clip a long one, pull all the leaves off. And he, he, you're watching him prepare his instrument of punishment. And, um, you know, he would pull all the leaves off and he would just tear them up. Oh, you would hear it go whip, 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 whip and all this stuff. I'm thinking, man, my Jesus it's whipping up. He's making him a cord. I'm about to whip these grown men. And he went in there and he whipped grown men and flipped over their tables and flipped over their chairs and flipped over their money. And nobody did nothing. And that's why I don't really like that picture of Jesus where he's all skinny and anemic. I, I, I look at that story right there and I'm thinking, I think Jesus was probably swole. Um, I'm like, he was a carpenter. He walked everywhere. I'm seeing kind of a ripped, cut up, yoked up. He went in there and nobody did nothing. Nobody, nobody touched him. Nobody said, I mean, if you walk somewhere today, go to the swap meetings. I don't like what y'all are doing. You start flipping over tables. Grown men, they ain't having that. But they were having it that day. Didn't nobody say nothing to him. They got their stuff and they got up out of there because there was authority he had in his temple as well. But back to the story here. We want to give to God our best. Um, we have to be careful because of the times in which we live. People would like to pervert that and make it about something else. Your giving to the Lord of whatever you give is really between you and the Lord. Your giving of service, your giving of your time, your giving of your resources is between you and the Lord so that it can be legitimate worship. God, this is my desire. Earlier on, we saw the word free will three different times. This is what I've chosen of my own free will to give to the Lord of my time, my effort, my talent, my gifts or whatever. God, I worship you with this. Make sure that you, in every area, you give God your best because we know he's worthy of it and deserving of it. And so we want to be faithful to give him what he deserves. Amen. And so now it says um, in verse 22, those that are blind or broken or maimed or have an ulcer or encima or scabs. <laughs> it's like you, you shall not offer to the Lord nor make an offering by fire of them on the altar to the Lord, either a bull or a lamb that has any limb too long or too short, you may offer as a free will offering, but for a vow, it shall not be accepted. And so if an animal's legs were too short, it could be offered as part of a free will offering, but not as a vow, not as I'm making a vow to the Lord or um, it wouldn't be accepted as a vow offering. Verse 24, you shall not offer to the Lord what is bruised or crushed or torn. I'm sorry, bruised or crushed or torn or cut nor shall you make any offering of them in your land. And so God said, I don't want any of these messed up offerings being offered in, in the land. Don't do it. Over in Malachi, the people were being rebuked um, for not obeying these commands. Uh, everybody, anybody that went to a Baptist church is familiar with Malachi 3. Um, you know, my, my church, we heard that every single, I, I know Malachi 3 by heart, but it's not Malachi 3. They were being rebuked and corrected in Malachi chapter 1. Verse seven and eight for bringing the messed up offerings to the Lord. So it says in verse Malachi one, seven and eight, you offered defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. And so God rebuking the people in Malachi, they say, man, I told y'all 
Don't bring me these lame, broken animals and that's what y'all are doing. He said, go give that to your governor. See if he'd like it. And um, those are strong words. I mean, God is, God is letting the people there know, I'm not pleased with what you guys are offering me. You're not doing what I told you to do in my word. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.